Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're glad you're worshiping and we welcome you this morning. And we're so glad you're here. And it's awesome to see everyone. I forgot to announce one quick thing. Uh, if, you're in a, if you're involved in a care group, everyone in here should be involved in a care group. But if you're not involved in a care group, first of all, if you're not involved with one, you need to go back to that, there to that screen and you need to find a care group. But if you're in a care group, you need to contact your care group leader to determine what the course of action will be for your care group this week. Amen. If you've got a Bible, uh, would you go with me to Psalms chapter 16? Psalm 16, and uh, I know this is sort of a continuation of the series we've been doing. It's, a, it's along the same lines. It's not exactly uh, in the context of what we've been doing, but we're, this is what the Lord gave me for today. Psalm 16, verse number 8. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Now this is David's giving us what that means. He says, I will show you the path of life. And this is the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I will show you the path of life, cult, semicolon. And the answer to that question, what is the path of life? In your presence is fullness of joy. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I'm going to make a statement here that's going to seem quite obvious, but the truth of the matter is, even in its uh, obvious context, sometimes I think we lose sight of it, is that at the core of everything that we do is the presence of God. If we don't have the presence of God, church is nothing without the presence of God. If we don't have the presence of God in this place today, all we're doing is gathering together as a group of individuals and experiencing social interaction. Because the presence of God is at the core of everything we do. In fact, it's religion that offers service without the presence. You can be religious and go to church and never experience the presence of God. Because that's what religion offers. Religion offers God without the presence. But God cannot be separated from His presence. And to serve God... And to understand God void of His presence is to understand and know God in a way that He never intended for us to know or observe Him in. And for us to separate His presence from Him is not to truly understand who God is. And the more time you spend in His presence, the more you begin to understand Him. And the less time you spend in His presence, the less you begin to understand the things of the Spirit. In fact, the Bible says, to the flesh, the things of the Spirit are foolish. And the Bible says that 
Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it hasn't even entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But it's been revealed to us how? By a spirit. So when I am not in his presence and I'm not spending time in God's presence, and I'm not just talking about the hour and a half that we do on Sunday morning, but if I'm not consistently pursuing God's presence, I'll begin to fall in an area of misunderstanding where I'll begin to question the very existence and the very necessity of who God is. In fact, I would argue with you, and most of you would agree with this statement, that David was one of the greatest pursuers of the presence of God. That there was nobody in Scripture that literally oozed, and I hate to use that term, but it just, it's what it almost, it just oozed out of him. It's just, I can't imagine if you got a chance to sit down and talk with David, it probably wouldn't take him more than a few minutes before he turned the subject to God and his presence. In fact, he was so passionate about his presence that God pursued David. That not only did David pursue God, but in return, God pursued David. And God called David a man after his own heart. And this, this young man that even as a young boy spent hours seeking after his presence. I don't, I don't know this. To, the Bible doesn't say it. I wonder how many sheep David lost. He was a shepherd boy. I wonder how many sheep he lost because he spent so much time pursuing God's presence, he forgot what he was doing. I wonder how many times he went home and Jesse said, David, how many sheep do you have? Did you start off with? Well, I start off with 100, Dad. How many did you end up with? 98. What were you doing, son, to lose two sheep? Sorry, Dad. I just started worshiping and fellowship with him, and I forgot where it was. I don't know where. I'll find those sheep tomorrow. Because this man was passionate. But watch as he got older. I know you've heard this scripture before, but watch how he got older, because this is at the core of so much of our struggle for some of us. Psalm 73, and I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible because it's got a little more of a modern flavor to it. But you can follow along in the, the um, version you've got. But I'm going to read it to you out of the Message Bible. Psalm 73 says this, No doubt about it, God is good. Good to good people and good to the good-hearted, but I nearly missed it, missed seeing His goodness. I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have made it, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world, pretentious with arrogance. They wear their latest fashions and violence pampered and overfed, decked out in silk bows and silliness. They jeer use, using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air. No, it's not talking about the presidential debate. They're full of hot air, loud mouths, disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. What's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody tending the store? The wicked get by with everything. 
They have it made. Piling up riches. And watch what David said. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? I guarantee you, if you live for God more than 10 minutes, you've asked that question. What is this getting me? I mean, come on. I, I, let me stop for a second because I, I just have to, I have, to, I have to just follow this rabbit trail. I come to church. I try to worship, live for God the best I can. And man, my life is frustrating me to no end. And I see my neighbor. They get up on Sunday morning. They're smiling. How you doing? They get in their car. Doesn't seem like life is bothering them at all. They're going to go out to breakfast today, enjoy the sunshine. I got to go to church. What is this getting me? All right, God, if you're so adamant that we follow you, at least zap them. I mean, make them have a flat tire. Give them some kind of issue. I'm going to church today, and this is, and, and this is just a waste of time, and they're over there. I know what, God, hey, sat, I know what they did last night. In fact, I saw them when they came home last night, one in the morning, barely could get out of the car. And they get up in the morning, they're smiling. I got to get up in the morning. I got to go to church. What is it getting me? God, you're not fair. He said, I've been, I've been stupid, stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? He said, a law, here, this is what David, his, this is what he said it's gotten him. A long run of bad luck, of bad luck. That's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. If you had given in and talked like this, I would have betrayed your dear children. Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. And then he, he just like, all of a sudden, I think he just shook himself. Because this is the whole crux of the matter. He goes into all this. His front, This is David, okay, folks? This is not... Uh, uh, Bartholomew or... or uh, uh, some other crazy biblical name that you, you can't even pronounce that we don't even know their history. We know David. We know what he was about. This is a giant slayer. This is the guy that literally changed God's mind. It wasn't your average Joe here. This was a guy that all of us would... I, hey... I mean, if you're going to pattern yourself out of a relationship, that was one of the guys you would pick. And here's a guy that's basically saying, I'm just, every time I turn around, I just get something more, something else negative in return for all the work and service I'm doing to God. God, and you know what, God, what, what ticks me off is if I say something negative, you're going, to, you're going to literally zap me. But you got people all over the place saying negative things and you don't say anything about them. And all of a sudden, you ever, you ever just like get frustrated and you just realize, wait a minute, I missed it here. Or it's like the lady, I remember this years ago, I told this before, I remember the lady back uh, at Safeway near my house. I, I remember one day I was in there shopping and this lady comes back in the door and she's in a panic. She is freaking out. And she's like, has anyone seen my purse? I, I went to the car, it's not there. Anybody know where my purse is? I think I left it in here. It's my purse. I gotta have my purse. I lost my purse. Some precious person walked up to her and says, uh, ma'am, your purse is on your arm. 
She just quietly stepped out of the store. <laughs> or I know some of you have done that, right? You haven't never done that, but I know some of you like, has anyone seen my glasses? Can't find my glasses. I've lost my glasses. They're, they're just, they're gone. I don't know where they are. Someone see my glasses. And you've got them on your head. Or worse than that, you're wearing them. That's kind of like David's moment there. He's like, has anybody seen God? I can't find God. Where's God? Hey, God, where are you? And then he said, all of a sudden, he figured it out. It came to him. He got it. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. He didn't understand any of this. He didn't understand life. He didn't understand the whys. He didn't understand the frustration. He didn't understand why over here there's sunshine and happiness and I've got thunderstorms and rain until he came into the presence of God. If I don't get into the presence of God, none of this makes sense. If I don't come in the presence of God, if I don't pursue His presence, I'm thinking, you're crazy, preacher. This doesn't make any sense. You want me to live my life and you want, us, you want us to live separated from the world and the ideas and the thoughts of this world. And you want me to live a life separated unto God when everybody else is out there having a good time and you go on Instagram and they're partying and they're having a good time and I'm sitting there just miserable. I don't get it. And you know why you don't get it? Because you haven't been in the presence in a while. You know why you don't understand it? Because you haven't been in the presence. You know why you walk down the street and you envy those and you go to the, to the store and you look at the magazines and you say, wouldn't that be the life there? Wouldn't it be awesome to be that person? Wouldn't it be awesome to have that money, have the fame, be like that and be able to do all that and go places and people just absolutely fall all over you. Wouldn't you under, just awesome? And what do I have? Nothing. I thought God was supposed to be righteous and peace and joy and all that greatness and all I'm getting is frustration and, and, and my life seems to be falling apart and I don't understand it. I, I could do this without God at this point until I get in the presence. The song we used to sing years ago, it says, when I get in His presence, when I get in His presence, Every doubt that I face in a moment goes away when I get in His presence. Everything that I'm dealing with begins to melt off me when? Not when I come to church. Because you can come to church and not come to church. You can come in here and you can sit and you can participate in the rituals of church and never get in the presence. And you walk out of here and you go, what was that about? What was the, it was a waste of time. And the next Sunday when your alarm clock goes off, you just say, I don't feel like going today. Because to you, church is just church. But to me, this is where the presence is. You say, can't we experience the presence of God on our own? Yes, but there's something different. Even the Bible says there's something different to the presence when you get two or three that are gathered together in His name. Because when we come in this place today and we begin to gather in this place, we are passionate and pursuing the presence that's what this is about. God forbid that we ever have a church service that the presence of God's not in. 
If that's it, we need to shut down. We need to go, go do something. We need to go, go find something to do. Let's go watch football. I don't know. This is just a waste of time. And David said, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. If you're only, notice this, if you only see a portion of your world and you're so caught up in where you are, you need to get in the presence. Because it's the presence that puts everything into perspective. You've seen this before. You've heard this before. Some of you haven't, though. Forgive me. Come here, my, my, my daily prop here. I'll tell you, one of these days you're not going to sit there. He's going to play God. You're, you're a very good actor. You've played, a, let's see, well, you've played yourself. You've played a, 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 someone who's lost. You're playing God. I'm telling you what, you're just Tom Hanks right there. He's going to play God. This is what I'm talking about. If I separate myself and I look at God from this perspective and I've got a problem in my life, this problem doesn't look that big sitting right here. But when I look at it in comparison to God, do you know that I can cover God up with my problem? Look, God disappears. God disappears behind my problem. I'm verifying what I'm saying. Here, come here. Help me out. You stand up just for a second. Take your thumb. Cover up God. Close one eye and cover him up. He goes away, don't he? He goes away. You can't see God. And all of a sudden, you're saying, Preacher, this doesn't make sense. Look, look how big my problem is. What am I getting? I'm serving God, but I got a big problem and a little God. What's all this about? I'm coming to church, but it doesn't look like God can do anything because, man, I'm telling you what, all I get is this. And there's God. But when you come into the presence, this is what the presence of God bridges the gap from where we are to where he is. And when I get into the presence and I begin to pursue, and he said, come unto me. So I'm pursuing him in his presence. When I get here, look what begins to happen. The perspective of my world begins to change. And all of a sudden, I get him and I realize, wait a minute. This ain't a big deal. So that's why when you walk out of here, you don't walk out of here with all your problems solved. This is not a guarantee that everything you're going through, if you come to church, is going away. That's a false deal. Nobody, there's not one scripture in the Bible that guarantees you perfectness if you come to church and you give your life to God. It's not going to eliminate your problem. But what does it do? When I get into His presence, all of a sudden, I begin to realize, and I walk out of here, every doubt, every doubt, the doubt over here, every doubt that I faced, all of a sudden, in a moment, it goes away. How? When I get in his presence. If I'm not in his presence, life is overwhelming. Problems, situations, circumstances. And God forbid, here's the problem is, it's one thing. I can see a little bit of God with my problem. He's still a little bit there. I can see a shoulder of God. Hey, hey, God, how you doing? I see a little bit of God, but watch what happens. One problem we're dealing with, we're managing. But how often do you just have one thing in your life that you're dealing with, right? Good luck. If you have that, God bless you. So guess what happens? Monday pops up. We got a problem. 
Tuesday pops up, we got, and all of a sudden now, now I got problems. And now God's totally disappeared. And God forbid some of us. That's what I went. And we got, we, got, we got them stacked up like cordwood in the backyard. We got problems. And God is just so, he's just so sad and distant until I get into his presence. And when I get into his presence, I begin to understand. And David said, when I got into his presence, I understood the whole picture. And then he goes on to say this. I get into his presence, I understood the whole picture. The slippery road you've put them on with a final crash in a ditch of delusions. In the blink of an eye, disaster. A blind curve in the dark and a nightmare. We wake up and rub our eyes, nothing. There's nothing to them and there never was. When I was beleaguered and bitter, totally consumed within me, I was totally ignorant like a dumb ox in your very presence. I'm still in your presence, but you've taken my mind. My, you've taken my hand. You've wisely and tenderly led me, and then you will bless me. You've all, you're all I want in heaven. You're all I want on earth. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle, God is rock firm and faithful. Look, those who, are left, who have left you are falling apart, deserters that shall never be heard from again. But I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I've made Lord, the Lord God my home. God, I'm telling the world what you do. God, I'm telling the world what you do. Why is this important, preacher? What are you trying to get at today? You see, the Bible says, as we read in Psalm 16, I will show you the path of life. Life, this thing that we call, we describe life. So what, if, I, if the path of life is the presence of God, then without the presence of God, there is no life. Yay? Hey? Without the presence of God, there is no life. But that verse there, go back to Psalm 16 is 11. Would you, dear Andrew, put that up there. Psalm 16, 11. Psalm 16, 11 says, I will show you the life, rather life in thy presence is fullness of joy. That verse there in the Greek Old Testament reads this. You will show me the way of life. You will fill me with the joy of your spirit. What is the life? What is the life? The life, according to David, is the, is the presence. But how do we get that presence? It's to be filled with his spirit. Because the Bible says that when we receive him, we receive this the baptism of His Spirit. What is the Holy Ghost? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Why is that important? Go with me, if you would, to, uh, let's see here, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Let's just skip down for time's sake. I was going to read another verse, but Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Watch this. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come, from where? From where? The presence of the Lord. 
We know what the first part of this is. Repent, ye therefore be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. We know that what that is. That is that's, how, that's, that's redemption. That's the plan of redemption that God gives. But we do that. Why is it important? What does that give us access to? This is what the writer of Acts says. It gives us access to that when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Why is that important? Because that word time there means the time when things are brought to a crisis. And that word refreshing is, is to take a breath in the middle of your situation. So he says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That when your crisis comes, you'll be able to breathe through it. I'm talking about natural breath. I'm talking about the time when you feel so overwhelmed by your crisis that you don't know if you could even make another day. He said, when those times of crisis comes, you'll find refreshing. You'll find hope. You'll find breath. You'll find life. Where? In the presence. I can't tell you how many times, Ronnie, I've been in such a dark place. I mean, just dark. And I've come into a place like this. I didn't even have, I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't even have the faith to pray. I wish I could say that's never happened, but it has. Didn't have the faith to pray, and I got to be honest with you, didn't really feel like worshiping. When you're weighted down, it's hard to get your hands lifted. I know some of you have never been there because you're just so spiritual, you bounce on clouds and pluck your heart, but for us, for those of us that lose our wings from time to time. It's in some dark times. And I know there are times, Brother Jolin, that it took everything in me just to get to church. And I'm not talking about church. So, so you say, well, preacher, what is it's No, no, no. Let, let's take the context out of church as in the religious sense of church, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a place where God's presence is. And there have been times that literally all I could do was just come and sit. And I know, God, I've repented. Trust me, I'm not being silly. I've repented because I had a bad attitude because the preacher who's ever leading the service is saying worship, and I'm like, you, I, I don't have it. Say hallelujah. I'm like, I don't even think I can say that. I mean, when you're in a dark place, you're in a dark place. Let's just say what it is. Some of you just, you just can keep... I don't know. Some of you, I guess you're just better than I am. I'm, I, I wish God, I don't mean that negatively. I hope, I, I wish I was like that. Sometimes you're in a dark place, you're in a dark place. And just being there was all I could do. But being in that presence. When people around were being to worship. It was like all of a sudden, it's just without me even saying anything. God began to move. God began to speak. I'm not teaching you. I'm not talking about something today that, that, that's about what the word of God is. I'm talking about something that, that, that I've experienced, that you've experienced, that we've all experienced, but sometimes we need to be reminded of what it's about. Nine years ago, eight years ago now, it's been about eight, nine years ago, I, I, I just, I went through it. Some of you heard me tell this story, but forgive me for telling it again. 
I went through a nosedive. And I say a nosedive, I'm talking about I jumped out the plane with no parachute, just straight. I was just in a, just going through a dark time. And I, I'd gotten to the point where literally, uh, I, I just felt like my world was, was careening out of control and I could not, it was just, in fact, I, I don't, I'm not proud of this. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not saying this to, to, to Bose. I'm just telling you where I was. I remember one night after church, this was back at Annapolis Senior High School when we were there. We were still under the old structure back at Annapolis Senior High School. And it was awesome for me because I could sit on the platform and there, there's like a curtain that came out. I could hide behind that curtain. I'm just telling you the way it is, folks, okay? And I'm high, I could hide behind that curtain. And I could poke my head out so everyone knew I was there, but I would pop right back in. And I remember one night, I just, I, I was in church, boy, and I just, something was just, it was churning in me. They had seismic activity from the volcano that was erupting inside of me. And I got in my car. I, I had an a, a SUV at the time. I got in there after church, and I was so mad. I took my fist, and I punched my steering wheel so hard. I didn't realize it was just one of those times you just do it. I punched it so hard, I split the leather of the steering wheel right down the middle. I can't believe the airbag didn't blow my head off. Literally, I split it. I split the steering wheel in half, right in the middle where the horn is. My horn didn't. Ever, my horn. My horn never worked on that car until I had to give it back in. I should have come see you, Dave. You could help me out. I split that thing right down the middle, and I got in my car and I just drove. I didn't. I, I didn't tell my wife what I was doing. I didn't tell anybody. I just got in my car and I drove, and for two. Three days, I slept in my car. I just drove. I drove. I was in Pennsylvania. I went to West Virginia. I went to Virginia. I went all over the place. I didn't have a destination. I was just driving. Tears. I cried so much, my eyes hurt. And I remember that was, it was the second, it was the, the, the I spent two nights in my, in my truck, and I was laying in the back seat at, a, at the rest stop, uh, I think it was long 95. I was laying in, my, laying in the back of my truck. My, my golf bag at the time was in there, and that was my pillow. I'm laying down. I laid the seat back, and I'm laying on my golf bag. And I'd spent basically all night, a little bit I could sleep, just, I couldn't even talk to God. I couldn't honestly, couldn't even, I, I was such in a bad spot, I didn't even know what to say to him. And I'm telling you, this is not when, you know, I, this is not I, I, was, I was a preacher at this time, folks, okay? I was supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. It wasn't like I was on my way out of church. This is, we all have been there, okay? And that, just because you stand on this pulpit does not exempt you. Does not somehow make you a... And I was in this dark place. And I'm laying there and I... I didn't know what to say. And literally, it, it, like, it was just like the trickle out of the faucet. I just kind of began to, to gurgle out Jesus. First few times I said it, I barely could say it. It didn't really mean anything. I don't know if I was saying it out of desperation. I don't think I was saying it out of faith. It's Jesus. Jesus. I didn't even, I honestly don't, looking back on it, I don't even think, I didn't even think 
anything was going to happen. I just was, at that point in time, what else am I going to do? I didn't have the faith to speak in tongues, folks. I'm telling you. You can get low. I just began to say, Jesus. A few moments later, I said, Jesus again. Man, I said, Jesus again. After a while, I started to say it a little more, Jesus, Jesus. And all of a sudden, there was no music. There was no loudness. It was just me saying, Jesus. The more I said it, the more I began to feel faith. So Jesus, all of a sudden, right, it's just the presence of God came in that truck. That truck became my sanctuary. And I began to feel his presence in that truck. And you know what? Everything I was going through, it didn't change. But all of a sudden, in that moment, in that presence, I begin to feel him. I begin to feel. It was almost like he just came down and just, he just gave me a hug and held me. I know it's weird for a man to say, but it's just going to have to be weird for you to say that. It's almost God just held me. I just sat there. I, I, I wasn't even crying. I got, my tear ducts were broke at the time. I didn't even cry. I just was laying there saying, Jesus. It was almost like he just, I didn't get any answers. I didn't get anything. But it's just like his presence just so consumed that truck that something began to shift, not out here, but in here. Do you know what the Bible says, folks? You know what the Bible says? That the worst part of hell is? Look, go with me. Second, let's just finish here today. I wasn't planning on going here, but we're going here. That, sec, I think it's 2 Thessalonians 1. 2 Thessalonians 1. I think go down to verse 7. Try 7. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. This is what the Bible says is the worst part of hell. We think of fire and, you know, the devil walking around with a pitchfork. That's not what it's the worst part. And to you who are troubled, with troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Next verse, verse 8. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the kicker. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of God. The greatest torment of hell is the fact that it will be absent of the presence of God. Think about that. The fire, all the torment. That's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing is that there's an absence of God and an everlasting absence for him. Because you know what this says? You shall be punished. That word punished in there means you to pay the price. So you've got a choice. Either let God pay the price for you now or you pay the price later. But somebody's going to pay the price. God's offering to be your, be your, be your uh, sacrifice to pay the price. Or you can pay the price later. But here's the part that's crazy. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Do you know what that destruction, that word destruction means? That word destruction there connotates the destroying of your flesh through the lust 
that consumes you. I'm not here today to, th to, to scare anybody. That's not what I'm trying to do. But here's the scariest part about, and the most destructive part about hell is, is that the things in your life that you have chosen to put before God and have consumed you, you will have an un, un consume, it will, it will be an, an, an unsatisfying consumption in every fiber of your body of that thing with no ability to be able to release it. You ever seen someone go through detox? Watch their body absolutely crave what they've been addicted to? Imagine that times a million, but with no ability to control it and never ending. But here's why. Because his presence... He said, preacher, what's the big deal? The big deal is this. God offers. We're going to go. We're believing that if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. What is heaven? That's where his presence is. So why do I think if I don't pursue his presence here, I'm going to be pursuing his presence there? And he says, you've got a choice. You can make this world about my presence and then enjoy my presence, or you can, you can resist my presence, and then when you want it the most, it won't be there. Because you know what? We have a choice today. And Sister Ray, would you come? I didn't mean to say this, and I'm just following the Holy Ghost, and if it's making you uncomfortable, it's not me making you uncomfortable. It's the Holy Ghost making you uncomfortable. But you have a choice. Every one of us has a choice in here today. Here's your choice. You can make this life your heaven or you can make your life, this life your hell. Guess what, folks? I want to tell you today that I'm living in hell. I am. I'm living in my hell. My life is hell. It is. Seriously. My life is hell. But not in the context you think it is. My life is hell because according to the word of God, as a believer, I'm promised heaven. So because I'm promised heaven, this is hell. It is. This is as bad as it's going to get. No matter how dark my life gets, this is as bad it's going to get. This is, this is hell, Ronnie. This is hell. It's funny, but it's true. Because I got a promise. But you know what? There are people in this room and there are people that pass that road every day that they're living in heaven. Boy, life is heaven. This is heaven to them. Because this is the best it's going to get. So you got a choice. You have a choice. You got 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and if you're blessed, 90. You got a span of time to decide. Do you want to live this time, in heaven or hell, I want to live in hell. It's funny, but I choose to live in hell. Because I want to live in hell now so I can live in heaven later. But you can choose to make this life heaven for 40, 50, 60 years. And this can be your heaven. But if this is your heaven, that means you're going to have another place you're going to go to later that becomes your hell. 
You know why that's the case? Dylan, if this is my hell, you know what? I can put up with some stuff. I, you know what? All right, life stinks. It's okay, because it's hell. I got issues. That's all right. You say someone is, my life's a living hell. You know what? It is, and that's okay with me, because I'm going somewhere. Because this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You know what? Do I ask, do I want my life to be blessed? Do I believe God wants to bless you? Do I believe God wants to prosper you? Do I believe he wants to give you peace and happiness and all that? Yes, 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 yes. But how does that happen? That happens because he takes a piece of heaven and he puts it in us called a spirit. And his spirit is what works in me to produce that life. But that happens in here. But around me is hell all around me. But that's okay because I'm carrying heaven inside me. But if it's the opposite, you're living in heaven because you got hell in here. You got people that life around them seems like heaven, but internally they're churning with misery and frustration and lack of peace because there's something going on. You have a choice today. You've got a choice. All of us have a choice today. Will you, do you want to make this life your heaven or to make, your, make this life your hell? You know what? I say this within context, but I've never wanted to go to hell in my life. But I want to go to hell because I want this to be my hell. I want this to be the place of suffering and pain because I know there's a place that's coming. As was said before, no more sickness, no more pain, no more departing, no more trials, no more tests, no more difficulties. All the stuff I'm going through, guess what? Done! I don't want to, I want to go somewhere where my mistakes that I've made, you know what? Hallelujah. In eternity, the mistakes I've made are washed under the blood. We talked about that several weeks, that when you ask for forgiveness, according to the word of God, that is literally erased out of the realm of eternity. It's as if God, it's as if it never happened in eternity. But you know what? I got to live with the actions of it now. But you know what? If I, let's just be crazy. I know this is a crazy thing, but if I kill someone... I can pray and ask God to forgive me, but I'm still going to face the punishment of that on this earth. But you know what? It's okay because I'd rather be punished by my actions now and let him forgive me so I can live then. Or to dismiss all this and live with the punishment now and the punishment later. Yeah, there are mistakes in my life I've made I can never change. In fact, every time I look in the mirror and I've asked the Lord to help me and he's done a good job of doing it. But you know what, Mike? There are things I look in the mirror every day and I'm reminded of what I've done. I've reminded who I've hurt. I've reminded the things I've done that I'm not proud of. I close my eyes and remember things I've done that I pray to God I never do again. And you know what? I've asked God to forgive me. And guess what? According to the word of God, he has. But you know what, Brother Joel? And I live with that here. But that's okay. Because you know why? 
There's a day that's coming. There's a day that's coming. There's a day that's coming when I finally step across that line. And I step across that line and finally all the stuff that I've dealt with here, all the things that I've dealt with, I can't get rid of and erase. I'm going to a place that it's never existed. Oh, folks, help me. I'm trying to close, but I feel the Holy Ghost here for a moment. Guess what? Some of you can't forget what you've done on this earth. And you spend every day in your life trying to forget what you did. But guess what? When you step across that finish line. Everything that you've done on this earth. When they walk in now. And they see, you know what? Your family sees you for who you used to be. Oh, I remember back in the day when you were this. I remember back in the day. But when you get to heaven, you can walk down. Nobody knows what you used to be because you didn't used to be that. You know what? In heaven, there are no ex-drug addicts. In heaven, there are no ex-alcoholics. In heaven, there are no ex Fornicators. In heaven, there are no ex adulterers. In heaven, there are no ex addicts to pornography or any other thing you can think of. Why? Because in heaven, all of that is not there. I live with my past now to be free with it when I get there. Tavon, I live with it now. There are things I want to go back right now. If you could give me a million dollars, boy, I would go back right now. I would, I, would, I would literally give you off the clothes of my back to go change stuff. But I can't. But there's coming a day when what I've done will no longer be. When I will no longer have a past. I have a past now. Come on, let's be honest. I'm trying to close. Forgive me. I'm trying to close, but help me. I can't get past this. You know what? We say, when you come to God, you don't have a past. Yeah, that's right, but it does feel like I've got a past. Come on. Come on, let's talk real. Well, the Bible says you don't have a past. That's what the Bible says, but don't feel like I have a past. I've got a past. Trust me, every time I try to go to sleep at night, I have a past. (laughs) I'm reminded I have a past. But you know what? There's coming a day. I believe, I'm sorry, the Bible says there's no sorrow in heaven, okay? Because you know why? And you might think that, but I'm just going to throw it out here. I believe there's going to be a day when we get to heaven. You're going to try to remember. What, what did I? I don't even remember anything. Because it's all been, all been gone. All been taken care of. Man, I, if, I, you, if I could invent a machine right now that could go back and you could change three events of your life, I literally, I mean, come on. I would buy out Bill Gates and everybody else. If I could have a machine, you go back and change three things in your life. I could charge a dollar and still be the richest man in the world. Because all of us want to go back and change something, but we can't. But there's coming a day when what we want to change will no longer be. Because we shall be changed. That is the hope. That is the hope. That is the hope. The hope is not to be, def- not to allow my past to define me. But you know what? The hope is the fact that there is coming a day. There is coming a day when my past will no longer be. Because in God's eyes, my past isn't there. 
because it's been taken care of. And ultimately, when I get in his presence, Hallelujah. when I get, I'm asking somebody right now, would you just close your eyes? You don't have to know what to do. You don't have, you may be uncomfortable, but I feel the presence of God in this place. Would you close your eyes right where you are? And maybe you don't even know what to say, but can you just say Jesus? And can you let your let God's presence begin to sweep over you right now and to minister to you and to touch you? Come on right now. In the name of Jesus, I loose the presence of God to be made manifest in this place right now. Every heart and every life, I pray in the name of Jesus, let your presence be loosed in this place. Come on. God is here right now to minister to somebody. But not minister to you by shaking you. He's simply here today just to minister to you by letting you experience His presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, folks. Is there anybody? It's still a little early. Do you have, do you have just a moment to pursue His presence? Do you have a moment just to pursue His presence? Come on, just take a moment and pursue His presence. situations, your difficulties. Give it to Him and get in His presence. Get in His presence. Get in His presence. Get in His presence. Become passionate about His presence. Oh, come on. I want you to reach over next to somebody to buy you and let the Lord have let the Lord need you. If you're not praying for yourself, be sensitive to someone around you. Come on. The Lord is moving in this place. The Lord is moving in this place. Oh,